Well, good morning and welcome to Overviews Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita J, and I am a recovered compulsive reader out in Massachusetts. And today is Wednesday, February 7th, 2018. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we're going to be reading from the big book, and we are on page 25, the very first paragraph only, which begins, there is a solution. And so all comments will be directed on that paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Daiya N, the 12 traditions, Holly S, and readers of the text are Ginger C, Maura Z, and in the backup position, Lisa B. The share ID number for yesterday, Tuesday, February 6th, are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 11,011. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 11,012. Overeaters Anonymous is the fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Daiya N. to read OA's 12 Steps. Good morning. I am Daiya N. from Illinois Compulsive Overeater. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
man may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to no. practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Well, thank you, Diane. I'll now ask Holly S. to read Overeaters Anonymous, 12 Traditions. Good morning. My name is Holly S. I'm a of overeater. One, our common personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be drawn, not never be organized, but may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Thank you very much. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderator is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. 
to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we're resuming our study of the big book and we are on page 25. And we are reading the very first paragraph, commenting just on that paragraph. And I will now ask Ginger C. to get us started. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning, Anita. Thanks so much for your service. And good morning to everyone on the line. Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple, kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have uh, found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. A very powerful paragraph and and I'm just focusing seeing the beginning how um, there is a solution is italicized and I learned that in the big book anything that's stressing importance is italicized. And thank goodness there is a solution. You know, my heart always goes out to the person still eating in the food. I had a call yesterday with someone who's dying in the food. Thank goodness they put it down. And I just pray that they can just get in and do this work. You know, um, this simple kit of spiritual tools that are laid at our feet. That's what we have to do is pick up those tools and work it like our lives depend on it. And it is such a simple process. You know, my mind is what's complicating it. Just get into action and do the work, do the deal. You know, the book tells me I only have two doors. What are my choices? And thank goodness that we get to this hopelessness state, this futility of life, because the food hopefully has kicked you to the curb, you know, and if it hasn't and it has not convinced you, you know, you very well may need some more research. Um, but, you know, this is this is so clear, this work, and I just am thinking, too, at the beginning, you know, none of us like the searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, but that's where it all begins, because me as an addict, I lack power, and my only defense that's going to keep me safe and protected a day at a time is staying close to a power greater than myself, and how do I do that? It's ego deflation. It's getting rid of this selfish, self-centered tendency of ginger. And page 14 tells me it meant self-destruction of self-centeredness. Simple but not easy. A price has to be paid. Yes, we have to do four through nine. That's where it really, you know, the rubber hits the road. But thank God for that because ego edges God out. And when I do four through nine, I get clear. My pipe goes clear and straight to God. And that's, again, when I stay strong and able to do this work, because my job is to think about that person behind the door that has no idea that OA even exists. And I walk out into the world, and I am in a fit spiritual condition, and there's a feeling, and they may, I don't know how God's going to use me, but I'll bump up next to this person, and they just may ask me a question, and that whole beginning begins for them, because all it is, it's so simple again, one alcoholic talking to another. 
And then I get to bring that there is a solution. And I can lay this simple kit of spiritual tools at their feet. And hopefully they'll pick it up and they'll want it and they'll get it. And then most importantly, keep it. Because again, many, many more are suffering behind that door. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Ginger C. Who else would like to comment now? Janice P.M. Greg F. Just a minute. Janice P.M. Marie J. Just a minute. Harlan G. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Janice (laughs) P.M. I I took a, I took two months off. I got to get this back. Um, <laughs> wait a minute, me and my jokes. Uh, I know that fellow. Who who spoke after Craig. Janice Pan? Craig. Craig. Yeah. Craig F. Harlan, I know you. Craig Marie F. J. And I heard Marie J. And give me another one. Vasa O. Okay, we'll stop there, Vasa O. All right, this is this is who we're going to start off with. Wonderful lineup here: Janice P.M., Craig F., um, Charlene G., Marie J., and Vasa O. All right, Janice P.M. Good morning. And good morning to you, Anita L. Can I ask what was? Can I ask Pardon? what was read this morning? I'm so sorry. Oh, sorry. All right, page twenty-five, honey. Okay. Sorry, the sound so. (laughs) It's a funny world out here in Massachusetts. Go, Janice. Oh, you're so funny. (laughs) Yes, yes, there is a solution. Oh, boy. There's an answer for us that came to OA. Yes, we came to the fellowship. And we thought, you know, the fellowship, oh, it's wonderful. And it is, and it still is. It's a very supportive tool. And I need that, no matter if I'm recovered or not. But that's not, it wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. It didn't change my thinking. It didn't um, expel the obsession in my mind. It just didn't. The tools of the fellowship were good, and I still use them. But those weren't the tools that brought me the solution. You know, if I have pain, like I did when I came in here, and I, you know, if I pick up the food, I'll have more pain. Um, If I have pain in a tooth, what do I do? I go to a dentist. If I don't have any pain, he doesn't have to use any of his tools to extract any, any, you know, teeth that have to be extracted. And then after he does the extraction with his tools, I don't have any more pain. Well, it reminds me of coming to OA. Most of us, most of us, almost or none of us like to the self-searching. All right, I'm going to go from one thing to the other. The, the dentist has tools, but, you know, we have the tools here. The book has the tools. The so, solution is the tools of the, of the uh, big book of the 12 steps, and that's what it's starting to say. Almost none of us like the self-searching. Well, I I would say all of us, but uh, we don't like to look at ourselves, but we don't have to like it. I don't like, I didn't like it either, but I did it. I did it by the grace of God, led me to it. I don't like to tell you my my character flaws. I have too much pride. (laughs) You know, I don't, uh, I'm too much higher self-esteem in myself. And I'm going to tell you 
about the my shortcomings and tell God and another human being. No, this process that leads to recovery is the process, is the solution. And of course, we know that's the first action step of step four. And uh, that requires, you know, and how do I know that? Well, I saw it. I saw it in recovered people. We all, you know, I don't know about them, but I know a lot of them were hopeless, like myself. I was hopeless. And life didn't, you know, it was pointless. I mean, I had nothing else to do. But when I picked up the spiritual toolkit, which is the 12 steps, then the, the, uh, the obsession was removed. That was the way out for me. That's the answer. You know, when I saw it in you, then I said, hmm, let me try it too. And it worked. And with that, I passed. Thanks. Thanks so much, Janice PM. Good morning, Craig F. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, perfect. Good. I'm a little worried here. Janice and Anita on here at the same time that it may create some sort of weird vortex. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I am Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I appreciate being able to get on here. We've spent the last several pages uh, talking about the desperation of the problem, and uh, finally we're bound to where it says there is a solution. That's a promise. There is a solution. And a couple things I want to stress here. Um, it, it talks about the steps, the leveling of the, the self-searching, leveling of pride, confession of shortcomings. He's talking about working the steps, uh, one through nine, uh, which the process requires for its successful consummation. And, and then he says it was really worked in others. Uh, it, but then he said when we were, so there was nothing left for us to, to, but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. And, and, and I think it's important to know, to realize that when he says that sp- kit of spiritual tools, he's not talking about the, the OA tools. He's not talking about going to meetings. He, he's talking about the simple kit of spiritual tools that are going to be defined for us over an into action and, and beyond. That's how to work 10, 11, and 12. The, the, the continuous uh, work to level our pride, the continuous work to confess our shortcomings, to ask God to remove our shortcomings in step 10, and, and then in the daily inventory in step 11, the prayer and meditation in step 11, and the working with others. You know, having had a spiritual awakening is the result of these steps. We sought uh uh, to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. That And these principles are this spiritual kit of tools, this lowering of our pride, the, the practicing of a, of, the hum, of a humble way of life. And that is, uh, it, it, it would be easy, I think, to get confused of that, to pick up that word tool and uh, to not think that through and realize that he's really talking about, he's talking about 10 and 11. And, and what's a, what a beautiful promise to finish this paragraph up with. Much of heaven had been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. You know, I never dreamed before program, before uh, not long ago, uh, that I would find freedom from food obsession, 
you know, I, I spent, uh, I had a medical problem, as a lot of you know, that I had to miss the birthday party and had surgery. And uh, in, in the beginning of that period, I, I, I uh, didn't eat for four days. I couldn't eat. Uh, in the fourth day, I was on a clear liquid diet. Um, you know, in the past, that kind of uh, thing would be a license to binge. Uh, it didn't even occur to me, you know, and uh, I've had to go through some more problems since then. And, and, and uh, these last few weeks have been pretty tough. And it's a thank you. But this I've been rocketed into a fourth dimension. And for that, I am so grateful. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Craig F. Harlan, good morning. Good morning, Anita. I'm, and thank you for your service, Anita, and also thank you to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's going to be about 83 degrees today. There is a solution, thank God, because I lived my whole life with people yelling at me and screaming at me and trying to bribe me and browbeat me into eating less food so that I would feel better. When I eat less food, I do feel better. I feel like killing myself better. I feel anger better. I feel fear better, jealousy better, crushes on girls better. I feel lots of things much, much better. And as those feelings burst to the surface inside me, I ended up eating more and more food than I could ever have imagined. But let's take a look at what it says here. It says, almost none of us like the self-searching, leveling of our pride, confession of shortcomings. All this stuff is the working of the steps. But let's take a look at this. I saw that it really worked in others. Notice that it doesn't say, then we became willing. Notice that it doesn't say, then we had a change outlook so that we became willing to work the steps. It says here, but we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. I didn't start here from a standpoint of saying, I'm going to be willing to do what you people do. I came in here, and my launching pad was that my life sucked. As I was living it at that time, uh, my life sucked. I came in in 1979. I was wearing size 70 pants. That was not as big as I was going to get. I stunk. I had food stains all over my shirt. I, I was penniless. I had a food habit in the 1970s of 100 to $150 a day. But what happened was, by and by, I noticed that these actions were working for you. So little by little, I started taking action after action after action because I saw it working in you, and I knew my life sucked. And then it said, when therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem solved, the people in recovery, there was nothing left for us to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. Because you who were recovered in 1979 and you who were recovered when I relapses, 
you showed me how it worked in you. Now let's take a look at this, and then I'll have to close here. We have found much of heaven been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, which had, we had not even dreamed. This is the second of three times, page eight, and now we're talking about the fourth dimension. What is the fourth dimension? There's height, width, and depth. Those are the three dimensions. The fourth dimension is the dimension of the spiritual. The fourth dimension is the dimension of God. My life is better today in many ways than I ever could have imagined it. Yes, yes, there are areas of my life that I wish to the core of my soul were different. But my life works today. My bills are paid today. I walk the streets a free man. And I don't have to be ashamed of what I've eaten or, go- or did, what lies I've told. I am emancipated. This disease is a constant state of defeat and degradation, and I don't live there anymore. That's a miracle that I never could have brought about on my own. Only the working of the steps and my higher power brings me there. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, Harold. Thank you so much. Marie J. and then Vasa O. Good morning, Anita. Can you hear me? Perfectly. Thank you. This is uh, Marie J, and I am recovered in Colorado. And what strikes me when I read this text is that when it's my turn to share, you know, I think about the notion that I didn't know what I didn't know when I was in active addiction. I didn't know. And now that I'm on the other side of it, I really can see my character defects clearly, and especially that of pride. I just never thought I was prideful. I didn't think I was self-righteous. I didn't think, I thought I had humility. And when I was given the gift of abstinence, when I accepted the gift of abstinence, that's when I began to be able to see clearly. And, you know, abstinence didn't come easy, and it didn't come on the first time. You know, there was trial and error, you know. So if you're new or if you're in relapse, just keep working at it. Because what I know today that this only works when I'm able to look honestly at myself and when I just begin with the truth and sometimes that's just to myself I can't get beyond just putting it in my journal or in a letter to God but then I I can step out and begin to share that with another and you know it's it's a process it's a process of doing these things little by little and and celebrating the progress and I remember the first amend that I made to my husband in the course of my day, like a 10-step amend, not, not the one you do, the big one in the ninth step. And I was mad on hell at him. And, you know, I broke out in my everlasting rage and self-righteousness and indignation about something he wasn't doing or something he was doing that didn't match the agenda I had for him. And I had to leave and write a letter to God and do a 10-step and own my own part. But I only had to do that if I wanted recovery. You know, I had to learn to pause, and now I know how to pause before I open my trap. And I have to accept that it was me, it was me and not him who needed to change. And I was terrified to make that amend right in the middle of the day because I still felt some self-righteousness around my resentfulness, and, and I did it. I did it because the steps tell me to do, me, do it, and it tells me, you know, that this works. And it's amazing to do that in the moment and own my truth my inappropriate behavior and to be able to say it out loud and make an amend. 
And the leveling of my pride and the admission of my shortcomings in that moment was really nothing short of a miracle. You know, and it's, it comes more easily now, and it is more uh, in our relationship back and forth, which is another miracle. You know, I had a transformation of character right there in that moment, seeing this, the benefit of leveling my pride and admitting my shortcomings and then being able to go and own it and give an amend. You know, so my suggestion is, and, and the, the beautiful thing about this is, my husband does this too. He's not even in program. He's not even an addict. But because this is our relationship now, he owns his stuff and comes to me with it. And it's really, it's really quite a miracle. So my suggestion is just to give it a try and to be willing to have your life changed and have humility and peace enter where self-righteousness and pride stood before. I'm just so grateful to have these steps in this connection to this higher power. Thank you. I pass. Thanks so much. Marie J. And Vasa O. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Anita, for your service and everyone this morning. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from uh, Florida. I thank God when I came to Overeaters Anonymous that there was a solution to my problem. I had no clue. You know, I had been looking for the solution. Since I was 15 years old, since we came in America, we, I discovered all these delicious foods. And I did not come to the program till I was 41 years old. And this was my last stop. And I remember saying, if this doesn't work, after trying everything, everything, for those many years to put the food, and I always failed, and I was, always went back. God knows I tried many, many, many times. It's not like I didn't try. I exerted my willpower, and uh, the more I exerted to control it and to do it, the less, you know, I, I was just, the less control I had. So for me to come to the program and admit that I was powerless, I had no problem admitting, yeah, I'm powerless. I've been trying to do, to do this for many years, and I couldn't do it. And I did step one, two, and three all at once. I can't, he can't. I will let him, I will let anybody help me because the way I was doing it was just not working. And uh, it was just amazing what I heard in this program. And, of course, I did have to put the food down first, and I needed to find a power greater than myself or, or people to encourage me to help me, you know, no matter what, don't go back to the food. And, yes, that was step four after I had been abstinent for quite a few months, I don't know how many months, and it was time for me to do the fourth step because all the emotions and feelings were coming up. I mean, I knew I had resentments. I know I had the anger, and I had envy and self-righteous and all these things, but I thought that was normal. You know, everybody had them, and I learned, yeah, we all have them, but we're not being controlled, you know, I was living in them. And uh, so I listened, and I listened. I did put the food down, and I did lose the weight within six months. I mean, it was just melting on my body. I could feel it. It wasn't, it wasn't good at the beginning. I was, it was very painful because I wanted my food, my alcoholic foods, because they made me feel better when I, you know, well, I ate over everything, good, bad, joyful, sadness, angry. I ate over all, 
over anything. So what I heard, it was the solution. If I followed the steps, the way they laid out, and it was going to work for me like it worked for those 100 people that, that, you know, in the first edition, what they did, and I wanted to do what they did. And I did, and it's working. And I'm just so grateful. Now we just have to give it away because there's just so many people out there that are suffering. If, uh, if, I, if my sponsor didn't bring me to the, my first meeting, I would have never been able to have what I have, the life that I have today. You know, I had the financial insecurities. I had so many fears. But the Time. Time. I've been, you know, they've been gone for most part. And I thank you for letting me share my path. Thank you very much. Now, just for the latecomers, we're on page 25, reading the first paragraph only. That famous beginning, there is a solution. So who else would like to share? Lisa B. Okay, just a minute. Lisa, Lisa B. And I think was it Tina R? Nessa R. Nessa R. And Larry K. And there was a woman, another woman in there. Sandy S. Ruth H. Debbie M. Okay, just a minute. I think we've got a little too many here. Just a minute. Let me put down who I heard. Um, okay, we have Lisa B, Nessa R, Sandy, I think K, we'll see who that is, Larry K, and then Anagia, and um, one more. Ruth H? Ruth H. All right, that sounds wonderful. Okay, Lisa B, good morning. Good morning, Anita. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. It's really good to be here. And um, so what they're describing is the steps, the 12 steps, and a lot of those steps, the big bulk of the steps are in the chapter into action. And that whole chapter is all about direct acts against my will. And I felt led to share on my experience with steps eight and nine. Um, after I completed the fifth step and with my guide, we reviewed step six and seven as it's gone, as it's talked about in the big book, we went word by word, line by line. And, you know, I found I wanted to kind of hesitate and not go right into step eight, but I did make my list. Um, but I'll just share what started to happen for me. You know, I'm not recovered yet when I'm in that step. I've experienced some great relief as a result of doing step five, but all of a sudden I'm starting to look around and I'm getting really disappointed with my sponsor, you know, she's not being everything I really think she should be. And I'm really getting kind of annoyed with a whole bunch of things. And this veil starts to come over my eyes. But you know what? I'm not even aware that that veil is coming over my eyes. And I'm not aware that the cotton is going back into my ears. And I'm starting to move really slow. I'm like just dragging my feet. And I hit a wall. And I'm like, God, this is just not that great of a feeling. Thank goodness. Thank goodness Grace came in, and I was able and willing to hear it. And I realized I've got to get into this work and make that first approach so that my sponsor can review with me the skill set of how to do a proper step 10. And thank goodness I did that. And then I started getting more relief. But then, oh, the sluggishness came on again. I don't really want to do this. I don't want to do step 10s. And my sponsor was annoying me again. So I just want to share with you, this is not only a program that I diagnosed myself, but it's a program that I have to propel myself. I have to move through these steps 
against my will. And it's God's grace that helps me, and it's relying on the tools. But when I'm in those stages where I'm not yet recovered, it's vital I move through quickly. I don't want to do these things. I had to go back and look at my step two and really study that and read it, made outreach calls and outreach calls. I also had to do service. Even though I'm not recovered, I had to find ways to be helpful to newcomers. And I needed to do lots of things that I just didn't want to do and keep getting through that list getting through that list. And it wasn't until I had two more left on my ninth step and I was reading uh, with newcomers. I wasn't recovered. I wasn't sponsoring them, but I was offering service that finally, finally something began to happen and a shift. But I have to do these things against my will and I need to do it quickly. But that denial comes back and I don't even know it's coming back. And before you know it, I could be back in the food, blaming my sponsor, blaming everything around me. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lisa. Uh, Nessa R. and then Sandy will follow her. Good morning, Nessa. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this, this paragraph tells me that when I meet someone in whom the problem had been solved, I will see I have no choice but to pick up the spiritual toolkit later at our feet. So why does one follow the other? Um, you know, I, when I came into the rooms of OA, I've been to many different rooms. You know, I, I went into rooms where, you know, um, there were uh, people who seemed to be happy and they were very nice and loving, but they were fat. Um, they were fat and, um, you know, just living in their so-called fat serenity, and I, I didn't want that. And then there were other rooms of OA where I saw people in thin bodies, and I definitely wanted a thin body, but they were mean, and they were angry, and, you know, they were fighting with the food constantly, and I also didn't want that. And then one time, I actually did meet someone in whom the problem had been solved. She, she was in a, in a normal body, still is, um, and she had no edge to her, no chip on her shoulder. Um, she was pleasant. She deal, dealt with adversity, um, you know, really well. Um, responded, you know, took no offense, didn't take things personally. Um, and that's something that I wanted. And so, you know, and that's the link. That's something that I wanted. When I see somebody in whom the problem had been solved and I want what they have, then I have to do what they do. And that's why I have no choice but to um, pick up the spiritual toolkit laid at my feet. I had to do what she did without arguing, without negotiating, without, you know, any, any, you know, I don't know, any consideration even. And I did that. You know, I remember um, the substance that I had the most resistance to give up was coffee. And, and I gave it up. Um, but I see people drinking coffee in the rooms that had seemed to have no problem. And I went to her and I said, you know, like people drink coffee. Can I drink coffee? And she just asked me, why do you want it? And I said, I don't know. Just kind of like a little pick me up, like in the afternoon or whatever. And she said, no, she said, no, because you know, that's going to become your go-to place for a sense of discomfort and your sense of discomfort has to come from God. If you're getting it from somewhere else and you have no impetus to it from God, and that was the end of that. I didn't argue, and I, and I, um, I'm, I'm not drinking any coffee. Um, and then there were two, two times where I didn't follow her instructions during step four. 
Um, the first time she said I was taking too long and that I was bound to pick up if I didn't uh, hurry up. And of course, that's exactly what happened. And we went back uh, to step one after I picked up and it happened again a second time. And she said that and I didn't listen. And I'm back to step one. And of course, I was a lot wiser. Thank you. I was a lot wiser uh, by the third time. And so when I meet somebody who has what I want, I do what they do. And, and that's it. That's all we have to do here. We don't have to figure it out ourselves. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nessa. R. Sandy, you're up. Did Sandy C. Press star one. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asha. Yeah, yeah. S isn't Sandy. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I just love that first line. There is a solution. Because I was so stuck in the problem. And I kept thinking, like, talking about the problem, figuring out the problem, that's what's going to help me. It, for me, uh, the abstinence came as a gift. And um, it came as a gift from a person in OA who definitely was infused with God. There was no doubt about it. Um, when I told her that I felt I was bulimic and eating and throwing up maybe 12 times a day. And uh, when I told her I felt nothing for anyone, she said to me, that's because nothing coexists with compulsive overeating. She says, you can either feel love, she says, or you can compulsively overeat. And I left and I kept compulsively overeating and throwing up. And then about six months later, uh, unexpectedly, I had this experience of hugging some guy that I was involved with and actually experiencing love. It was a spiritual moment. I actually felt love like going from my heart to his heart. And I said to myself, this is better than food. And I remembered what she had said to me, that nothing coexists with compulsive overeating. And in that moment, I said, I am choosing, like, it's like I'm choosing love. You know, and that was March um, 3rd, 1976. I've been abstinent since. And uh, I've been abstinent because of that spiritual experience, which has been with me every single day. So I'm just very touched by there is a solution. It's, it's really seeing it in other people and then getting it in myself and then maintaining it every day with 10, 11, and 12. And with that, I pass. Thank you so, so much, Sandy. Yes. And good morning, Larry Kay. You are up. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. Um, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Set the timer here. Um, you know, we, we, there's a lot of slogans in this program which really resonated with me. I loved, I loved Wait for the Miracle to Happen because I love pixie dust. I like magic. I love magic, and I was hoping for a little magic that wasn't to come. I thought um, the solution was my food plan. If I could eat the way you eat, I'll get what you get, and that was never the solution. I thought if I can find a celebrity sponsor, you know the one. You hear, you hear her on the line. She would be the one that would sprinkle me with pixie dust. 
that was not the solution. I thought if I write and if I journal, that would be the solution. That was never the solution. I'm not crapping on any of the tools or the slogans. They're wonderful. They are designed to support us while we get well. The solution was, was never remaining anonymous. That wasn't my solution. The solution came down to the core of the six tenets of the Oxford group that later, you know, became our 12 steps, complete deflation, which means the first step, dependence and guidance from a higher power, which became our second, third, sixth, seventh, and 11th steps, moral inventory, which became the fourth and the 10th steps, confession, which became the fifth step, restitution, which became eight and nine, and continued work with others, which became the 12th step. That was the solution. It was never because I was drunk, people. I was drunk while I was trying to use the tools and, yes, the steps so that I could feel better. Then I'll apply some of these conceptual, this conceptual mumbo-jumbo. And that was never to be. I had to get clear on what the solution is. In, 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 in Overeaters Anonymous, in my experience, many people are still drunk. I don't stand uh, above anyone. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not chastising anyone. I don't believe that if you're drunk and you're leading meetings and you're speaking with authority, I don't, I don't believe you're a bad person. I stand in jo- judgment of no one. But I cannot deny the fact that many people are not getting well in 12-step rooms in Overeaters Anonymous because many people are following leaders who are still drunk. And, and for me, this is a beautiful, beautiful program. I love Overeaters Anonymous, and I love the people in it, sincerely. Sometimes we need to disturb disturb those. There's my timer. Sometimes we need to disturb those. I needed to be disturbed before I would embark on the true program of action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Najia, you are up. I think it was Najia. Is that correct? Hi, Anita. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. It is Najia. I am Najia, a recovered compulsive overeater, living in Massachusetts, and so grateful that, and this is for me, when I hear there is a solution, I, I hear many things, but I think of being led beside quiet waters and the restoration of my soul. And as has been said so eloquently by so many, it is the steps. It is the steps. I want to say it is the steps for the next three minutes. It is the steps. It is the only way for me and for many of us that have, have, have shared that. I had found much of hell. I had found much of hell. I did not like myself. I um, wanted to stop, couldn't stop, so there was these, um, this insanity going around in my head. There was so much hell wanting to stop, not being able to stop, looking for worldly solutions that worked for a moment. And thank you, God. Thank you, God, 
that I was at the mercy of a merciless obsession and willing to do whatever it took to lift it. I thank God for the bottom. I thank God for the pain. And I thank God that there is a solution. And it leads me beside quiet waters in my mind, in my soul. I'm coming to understand more and more. I had a soul sickness. How can a bag of Doritos help a soul sickness? How can a box of fill-in-the-blank help my soul sickness? It didn't. It didn't. But the, but the 12 steps, the admission, oh, and the understanding that I have an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, that's a spirit. But that spirit can be helped by the spirit and power of these 12 steps. And my God, I am so deeply grateful that I have found much of heaven. And I had to do some work. I had to die to myself in the admission of step one. And I had to know that I know that I need to be restored. I need to be restored. And I need to turn my sick will over to God. And I had to continue working the rest of the steps. Thank you, God, for steps that lead me to much of heaven and into a fourth dimension. I think that's what I was looking for all the time. I think that's what I really wanted was to be at peace with myself and at peace with the world. Thank you so much for letting me share, and thank you for your service. Thank you, Nishia. What's the first initial of your last name? S. Yes. All right. Thank you. All right. Ruth H., you are up. Thank you, Anita. Thanks so much for your service. This is Ruth H., so gratefully recovered um, in Connecticut. I, too, have to focus on that first line. There is a solution because I was able to convince myself for so, so long that I didn't need a solution. I hadn't hit a low bottom, not like what they talk about in this book or I heard or saw people at meetings speak of. I hadn't lost my job or my house or my husband or my kids. Um, although I did my best to screw those poor kids up, but by the grace of God, they've turned out reasonably okay. Um, you know, I was able to, to use my willpower and only binge usually once a week and then restrict the rest of the week. So even my weight didn't show how desperately I needed a solution. You know, I just didn't count that, um, um, that I always had an excuse why well, I couldn't go out to lunch if it was a restricting day. Um, you know, I had, I, I would make up, um, some other reason, so to not let on to others, what the, the craziness that this disease brought into my life, you know, and, um, and I always, I seem to always be getting over a stomach bug when I had to run off my spin bike um, to use the bathroom because of the laxatives I had used the night before. Thank goodness, even though it wasn't a low bottom, um, I got to the point where I started to slowly gain weight, and in my obsessive, compulsive mind, um, it, that number got to be too large, and, um, and, and I finally um, admitted and, and my powerlessness and that I desperately, yes, did need this solution. And it was only by working those steps, as has been so um, wonderfully shared already, and finding my connection to a power greater than myself, who is that solution, who could solve my problem, um, did I get, get jettisoned, as it talks here, into a new state, um, into a life that I never dreamed of, into a, su such better relationships um, 
just into the fulfillment that service brings me from working this program and into the deep joy that sponsoring and fellowship has brought into my life in a way I never thought was possible. I, I finally realized that even though I wasn't in the food as desperately as some, the food thoughts were always in my mind and totally blocking me from that precious, um, the precious recovery, you know, the connection with that ever-loving, unconditional, un unconditionally loving God um, um, who has saved my life. And um, with that, I'll pass and just thank you all so much for being here and letting me share. Thank you so much, Ruth H. Uh, one more we have time for. One more. Jeanette S. Jeanette S. All right. I think we just had time for one. Go ahead, Jeanette. Hi, Jeanette S. Um, recovered Compulsive Reader in Maybrook, New York. This was a perfect uh, meeting for me to listen to today. Um, so I have not been maintaining my fit spiritual condition. So this paragraph really, really hit home for me. Lately, I've been thinking about visiting places, food places. I have also thought about my pistol permit again. Um, and these these thoughts coming in my head, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. So, um, you know, this I highlighted this process requires requires for its successful consummation. It's, um, and then that there was nothing left, nothing left for us, because what I saw is happening is that I I am starting was starting to slip back into my old ways of doing things, of my old ways of living my life, of thinking. Um, you know, and and sitting here with you all today, I came to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as I had been living it. Um, I've started fighting everyone and everything. I have not picked up the food, but the behaviors, they're all back. Um, I have not used. There's not any anything I've used. Uh, as my addict language would say. And um, I'm just so grateful that you all are here, um, that I can reach out, and that there is a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Uh, there's one minute. I'm just going to say, yes, I have um, Anita here. I got rocketed. I, I used to say that sometimes to people. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I got rocketed. And, um, you know, I now have four years and three months of not being rocketed, of abstinence, clean abstinence. Never did I ever have it. And somewhere around four months into that, during my amends, I joined the human race. And sitting there in, in, with humanity, I got rocketed. It's uh, really something I hope everybody can take and have in their hearts and spread it to others. Thank you, everybody who shared. 
And um, the share ID uh, for today, the meeting we have just heard and finished, is 11014, 11, Please, everybody, stay tuned for a second hour of um, that will be unrecorded. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I'm asking Maura Z to read a vision for you. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.